There's a groundswell of innovation happening in healthcare, and it's coming from one of the industry's most valued and absolutely most trusted stakeholders. You've heard their stories here from people like Bonnie Clipper, Dan Weyberg, and Paul Coyne, but folks like those are harbingers of much more to come. I'm talking, of course, about the rise of the nurse innovator. Hello and welcome to Data Points, the podcast about all the ways that data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare today. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and our guest today is Claudia Perez, our latest super nurse whose work is shaking up healthcare for the benefit of both patients and clinicians. Claudia spent years honing her skills at revered institutions like HCA and Ascension Seton Hospitals, but when she had an opportunity to work within a care transformation program through IDEO and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, it changed everything for her. Stay tuned to hear Claudia's compelling story and how she's actively pursuing her career-long dream of transforming care today. Claudia, thanks for being with us today on Data Points. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. It has been uh, it's been a long time coming. I know that we met face to face at the Health Equity Hackathon all the way back at the end yeah. of 2018, uh, and I've been hoping to get you on the show ever since then. So I'm I'm yeah. really glad that you're here. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, I'm very glad that I'm here too. So I like to start these shows by giving people a chance to get to know you and how you got to be where you are today. What are some of the milestones in your career that have pointed you in this direction? Tell us a little bit about your history, Claudia. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, um, I really started as a nurse in Brazil. That's where I'm from. And uh, my passion at that time was pre-hospital care. And um, we did not have uh, pre-hospital care um, in Brazil at that time. So that's going to date me. <laughs> Yeah, And uh, I was just very, very curious how paramedics worked in other uh, countries. So I had the opportunity to come to Dallas, Texas and uh, visit with Parkland Hospital and see their partnership with um, with the pre-hospital care and learn a lot about um, the paramedics. And um, I fell in love with it. I just fell in love with that work. I fell in love with the progressive work that the United States was doing for nurses mm-hmm. and nurses impacting care. And um, I decided to stay. And uh, staying here, I stay in the emergency room field uh, for several years, mm-hmm. which is my passion. And I think, um, you know, that, that was my call. Uh, but with time, I start seeing processes that was not perfect for nurses or patients or doctors. And uh, I started thinking that I needed to do something to help to transform and improve care. And uh, from there was a a long journey until I truly found my call uh, here in Austin, Texas, uh, working in a project that was funded by Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Mm -hmm. and designed by uh, IDEO, the design firm from Palo Alto. So the project was led by the Institute of Healthcare Improvement and was called Transforming Care at the Bedside. And that is where I really found my voice as a nurse. And I found that we can impact systems and, uh, and transform healthcare. So that led me to not only design thinking and process improvement, but also innovation 
So I end up doing a master's of healthcare innovation, which is, is still significantly a new master's degree, 10 years old now from Arizona yeah. State University. And there is other colleges now in Ohio, for instance, that are doing a great program there. So mm-hmm. I've been in the field of uh, innovation and nursing for the past 12 years. So, yeah. So I'm really, I'm very curious. You know, you, you mentioned, and it sounds like even when you were in Brazil, you had a passion for making things different. It wasn't that you went in and, you know, were trained as a nurse and went about your business. You clearly, as you said, had a passion for uh, being able to improve care through, you know, in that case, the pre-hospital care and, uh, you know, the uh, paramedics. I guess I'm curious about, you know, before that formal program with Robert Wood Johnson and IDEO, how did you feel about your opportunities to actually make changes in care uh, as a nurse, you know, whether in the ER or, or serving in another capacity? What was it like, you know, b- before that? Yeah, I didn't feel that I had a voice, quite honest. Mm. Um, I, I did I didn't know the impact of my care. It was great to see sometimes be recognized sometimes in restaurants or, or grocery stores. Oh, you were the nurse that took care of my son when uh, he broke his arm or you're the one that was there when this tragic you know happened to me thank you so much and so i knew that i could impact lives but i knew that we could do better but i just did not have an opening or an opportunity to express uh, my opinions and my ideas to test them out to improve systems until strong leadership from brilliant nurses, you know, including the ones that are in Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And now having mm-hmm. Shauna Butler doing also a podcast for Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, you know, it was when those nurses start open this path for me and also nurses from the Institute of Healthcare Improvement. Um, mm-hmm. I start following their steps. I start seeing how they were able to impact care and how they were changing um, so then they <laughs> saw that I had that passion as well, and they start inviting me in. So I think it's a combination of, of course, you, you're, you're right. I cannot see something that can be improved without trying to improve, right? It started <laughs> even when I was in college. I did want to improve the pre-hospital care, and that's mm-hmm. where my, my passion really started. But I also need the help of giants and step on their shoulders and mm-hmm. see how are they were doing. And, and, and they brought me in. They pulled me in. Um, and I learned a lot from them. So I, I try to pull others in now as well, other nurses out there that have the passion and have the ideas that don't feel they have the opening for this space yet. I have to tell you, I just, I find that so inspiring because I too in my career have had people who showed me possibilities that I had not imagined, Mm -hmm. but not only, you know, modeled those possibilities, but actually took me under their wing. And it sounds as though you've had a similar experience in your career. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think the, the mentoring and the coaching opportunity. Um, and uh, it's really important. And I give it back. I give back right now. Mm. I am a mentor. And, and as I mentioned to you in the past, to many organizations. And uh, I think we need to do that. We need to give back and bring new and young, uh, open-minded people to this system and help to transform yeah. healthcare. So tell me about, you mentioned in our pre-interview that you were working as a nurse recruiter uh, in Arizona. 
yeah. uh, prior to starting your innovation program. Tell me about how that recruiting uh, recruiting nurses wound up evolving into your participation in this, you know, what, what at the time was a brand new program uh, at Arizona State. That's correct. You know, it's so it's so interesting that uh, being a nurse and becoming the, the the person that you are. There were so many avenues, right? Um, mm-hmm. As everybody thinks sometimes that the bedside nurse, it's the only nurse that there is. No, there is many, many nurses executing in so many ways. And now with the digital transformation, uh, open so many more avenues. But one of the common avenues is uh, nurse recruiter. And, um, and I guess from my, my passion for nursing was obvious. And uh, they saw that I was really engaged in the healthcare. And uh, I was invited to join the human resources team. But is learning another language, you know, the language of <laughs> nursing is very different than the la- language of human resources. Yes, uh, it is. Very, very different. Uh, it was very interesting. But you kind of feel very responsible to be that gatekeeper which you're not when you're an emergency room nurse. You're not a gatekeeper. Sure. You are welcome. Everyone that gets in gets treated, gets treated with respect and dignity, no matter what, right? Human yep. resources, you still have respect and dignity, but you're the gatekeeper. You need to make sure that you only bring the high talent and people that is going to execute it um, mm. and align with the mission and the vision. So... It was a very interesting path. And I, I was in human resources, I think, for four years, which was enlightening. And I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity because I got mm-hmm. to see a whole system. I got to see how to put together, engage employees and really make sure that they have a voice and they and they're, are able to execute it on all the skills that they have and talents that they have, right? Um, that was a, a very good learning for me. But it was a little too far from transformation. <laughs> sure, sure. And, uh, and my passion for transformation came back, and uh, I had an opportunity to move to Austin, Texas. And then when I moved to Austin, Texas, I was uh, invited to participate, as I said, to Transforming Care at the bedside, uh, where Ascension, Texas was one of the three pilots in the nation um, and had been proven to be successful. So they needed a diffusion of innovation leader, somebody that could diffuse and to the other 11 hospitals here in the area. So when I started doing that, then I found my true call, right? Transformation and innovation. And then there, I thought I need to do a master's degree or continue my education on this. And then the master's of healthcare innovation uh, came up. And I was already in Texas. I was not in Arizona when that ah. came along. But I did, I did commute um, as, as much as I could. And uh, they had the benefit of having online classes as well. And I cannot tell you that for me was a life-changing experience. It was really interesting to take the work that I had done already for mm-hmm. three or four years in transformation and innovation and then have the theory of innovation to come together. And some people think sometimes that innovation just happens. It doesn't. It, it, innovation, <laughs> right. you know, does not happen. It is hard work and it takes, there is, there is some knowledge there for you mm. to learn about innovation and processes. I think we talk about hackathons as well. And I was mentioning that we will be presenting that for, for some, um, 
for some certain groups and, and teaching them mm -hmm. how to do that. It's one way to do innovation, but uh, yeah, innovation yeah. is truly a process. So we're I'm gonna we're gonna take a quick break right here, but I think we're in a perfect spot, Claudia. When we come back, we are going to pick up talking about the innovation process and how that mm. works uh, in in your experience. So stick around. We're gonna be right back with Claudia Perez. And we are back. You're listening to Data Point. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and we are here with Claudia Perez. Um, Claudia, when we went into the break, we were mm -hmm. just talking about your transition from having worked in that really fascinating program through IDEO and Robert Wood Johnson at uh, uh, Ascension Seton here in Austin, but then actually starting to participate in a health innovation master's program. And I want to I poke into that a little bit because I think there are a lot of misperceptions around how innovation actually works. Um, you know, you mentioned hackathons as being one way of sort of generating concepts and, and beginning to feed them into sort of prototypes, developing ideas. But tell us a little bit more about some of your work and, you know, sort of what you took away from that master's program in terms of how you really structure uh, innovation in healthcare, how you manage it. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for that question. You know, I, I think what I understood in the master's degree was understanding everyone in your team. Uh, one of the books mm -hmm. that we read is the book from IDEO, 10 Faces of Innovation. And I that, read that one too. Yeah, it's <laughs> wonderful. And that it just, it was such an aha moment. You know, you are innovator. Uh, but you don't need to do the entire process yourself. Mm. It is a team approach. You might be good to identify things that need to be changed. Other person might be good on trying out new ideas. Another might be good on diffusing the innovation. So you start seeing that everybody has a different role. And sometimes you can have more than one, you know, uh, but for certain is a team sport. Is not one person mm. genius out there that can drive innovation. It's everybody in and really knowing, first of all, to build a better idea or a different idea or disruptive idea, and then knowing how to infuse that in the system, right? How you're going to infuse that new idea into the market or into your organization, and then how are you going to make that grow? right? First yeah. measurements and etc. So when I did the master's degree, the first thing that we learned actually in the first weekend that we were together uh, was about discovering yourself. What's your mm -hmm. communication style? What's your personality? Uh, it taught me so much. And, and, that, and there were so many personality tests, right, that you can do, uh, even though not pigeonhole people, <laughs> you know, sure. it, it doesn't mean that you're always act certain way. We all have all traits, right? But in certain mm. situations at work or in family, you might identify yourself or act in certain way, you know, yeah. not saying that you cannot change. But if you know your frame, your framework, your own framework first, mm -hmm. and then you know your team's framework and see if the... 10 phases of innovation or the disk analysis, right? We did that one, which sure. is, you know, the four quadrants or, you know, Myers-Briggs or all of those, right? So there is all these personalities that you test or that you can put it together and learn who your team is. So my first step 
after that is really to do this blueprint, this mm -hmm. blueprint of your team. Just take a look. Just take a look. Who is in your team and who is there? Do you have all the all, all the characters that you need, all the people or the personas that you need uh, to put an innovation project together? And if you don't, how are you going to bridge that gap? Yeah. And so, isn't, that, isn't it funny how... You spend four years doing HR and recruiting work yeah. that yes. might sound completely irrelevant <laughs> to healthcare innovation. And yeah. lo and behold, the first thing you learn is about how to build the right team. Absolutely. Absolutely. How to build the right team. Know, you know what your team has to offer. And then learn that trying to teach somebody a skill that is not in their, in their persona it's really hard. It's better yep. for you to find somebody that has that character, that has that aptitude and bring that person in and let the person that is in your team do what they do best. Yep. <laughs> let them do what they do best and really inspire them to give their best and, and grow. So I learned that as well. I always felt that I always have to see my weakness and work on my weakness. No, I need to know what my strengths are <laughs> yep. Yep. and bridge the gap for my weakness and, uh, and really partner with people to have a cohesive team. So how, in your experience, Claudia, how common do you feel that thinking is, particularly with teams of nurses? Do you get the sense that there are a lot of organizations that are really thinking about their nursing staff in that way today? I think there is some. There is some innovative companies out there, uh, including, you know, again, Dan Weber. Uh, Weber. I know that we mentioned about him, you know. Mm -hmm. it, we have such an interesting story, right? Uh, I met Dan when I was a recruiter. I recruited him for Scottsdale Healthcare, where he. <laughs> and then a few oh years later, fast forward, he is in that master's degree. Actually, he was part of the first cohort, and I was part of the second cohort. So he was my teacher. So Isn't that amazing? Uh, it was amazing. And now we're stumbling again uh, during the Kaiser Permanente uh, work that he did. And I was really engaged with the uh, Innovation Learning Network group and still am. I'm still passionate about them. If anyone wants to know more about innovation, I highly recommend looking them up because they taught and I helped to build uh, their program with them. It's been uh, amazing. But uh, Dan Weber now is working for a company that is really bringing that thinking to nurses and to the nursing work. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there are some organizations that really treat nurses as commodities, right? Sure. Uh, and that is hard. And that is very difficult to see and to live in that on that work. So uh, that, that is very difficult. But um, I am so glad to see some innovative companies coming out and really putting nurses as allowing them to give all that they can give. And I, I feel sometimes when you treat um, nurses as commodities, you really don't allow them to give their best. Right. You leave so much on the table in terms of, uh, you know, harnessing their full capability. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly that. So I, I do, I, you know, I think transforming care, the bad side was a movement and, and, and it was a movement for 10 years. They really wanted to bring that. But unfortunately, with the, the changes that we're experiencing now in healthcare, a lot of organizations took what they call indirect time out. But mm. that indirect time was, is costing a lot more 
for the organizations because not, a, not allowing a team to participate, it's not just nurses, right? So Transforming Care, the bedside was a nursing-led program, but mm -hmm. physicians, physical therapy, pharmacists, respiratory therapists, uh, housekeeping, dietary, everybody was involved, right? Our focus was really to transform care, and it takes all of us. Um, so taking that out, you really took a big piece of um, of the engagement. So, so tell me more about that indirect mm -hmm. time. That's not a concept that I'm familiar with. Can you expand on that a little? Yes, I think, you know, as, as we're building new systems, you know, this probably not going to exist anymore. I don't know what the new systems is going to be like, like mm -hmm. uh, our digital world and et cetera. But since I've been a nurse for many, many years now, some organizations uh, say the direct time is really the time that you're just providing care to the patient. But there is so much more that professionals need to do. One, take a look at the evidence, right? Research time or process improved time or, you know, all, all those things that make your care a better care. So mm. those are called indirect time because you're not doing care I to see. the patient at that time. So okay. when you take research, process improvement, and engagement of frontline staff because you wanted them only to make you money, right? Or, or impact right. Where, where they can make money. You don't see that the indirect care is what make them think and really impact the care that they do. And yeah. also make them engage and happy. So, exactly. And help them to have a voice on the table, right? So all of those things really makes the organization better. You know, one thing that we did that was indirect uh, care or indirect time was the innovation challenge. And I don't know if you recall that, Greg. Remember we did that at the Dell Children's Hospital? We did a, a, a nine-month uh, innovation challenge where yes. we... Yes. So we taught their organization uh, how to do, how to understand the customer's needs and, uh, and really bring products and services to impact their care. Wow. It was such a transformative, transformative experience. Um, I really, I'm really proud of the work that we did. I think more organizations should run innovation challenges. And that's one of the works that I do now in my company. <laughs> well, let's, let's actually transition, transition into that. I know that, um, not too long ago, you started your own company, Creative Chi Partners. Tell us about why that, you know, why you started your own business and really what you're hoping to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I was just thinking there is so much impact. Um, when I was working for uh, hospital systems, I was really mm -hmm. inside the walls of a hospital. I did not know what was happening outside of the hospital, right? Sure. So little by little, I started understanding the role of digital health, robotics, genetics, and how all of this are going to shape and change our care delivery systems. Um, I started being, again, in the change, right? <laughs> what is changing in the world? Let me see how can I help to bring that in. Mm -hmm. So I went out there and I started learning from a many powerful startups that really are going to change the world and I change in the world. And what I understood from them is that while they know tech, while they had a passion, while they knew how to be an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. they did not know healthcare systems. They did not know the patient experience. They did right. not know 
so many aspects of healthcare. So I started being a mentor and helping them to do this other step of transition that I knew how. And little by little, I started seeing that there is an opportunity there. There is an opportunity for, for nurses uh, to help and, and bring those companies or to organizations or just to market, you know, how, how to help them to be successful. And uh, it was a little bit concerning and scary at first, <laughs> but I, I will tell you, I feel so happy. That's really a job that I love to do. And I love to, you know, work with companies that are doing AI work, AI for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and a lot that we're learning about uh, genomics and, uh, and the impact. And uh, Shona Butler loves drones. I love drones too. Uh, <laughs> and all that great work that is happening with the exponential medicine. You know, I think it is really, you're, you're hitting on something that's really important here. And I remember, again, harking back to um, the hackathon where we met face-to-face mm-hmm. for the first time, the, there was a real emphasis on making sure that there were nurses that were a part of those uh, hacking teams. And a hackathon, again, one one method, one little sort of blip in the radar but the concept of ins- making sure that you have um, real experts as a part of your development process, if you're a health tech company, people that understand the experience of both the clinician and the patient is so critical that it feels like a really good time to be starting a business with that kind of focus. Absolutely. For 18 years now, 18 years in a row, nurses are the most trusted profession, right? According mm-hmm. to the Gallup survey. I mean, you know, and it's, it's interesting. I'm a nurse and, and sometimes people say that and they thank us for the work that we do and we feel a little shy about it. It was like, oh no, don't, don't thank me. You know, I should have done more. <laughs> you know, that's how nurses think. But we, yep. we got to take that thank you. And I think nurses now, when I have my healthcare experience, for them to be next to the, next to me and holding my hand in times of need, but that is not only the the empathy or or the sympathy or or the beautiful work that the nurses do. Nurses also have a story to tell. So yep. bringing them to the healthcare tech and hackathons to really help us to shape the future. They need to have a place to shape the future. So bring them on. And if you have not talked to a nurse yet and you you are a health tech company, do it. If you don't know one, call me. (laughs) I will help you to find one. There is many of us there. I remember in the beginning, I thought that I was the only nurse that was doing innovation. (laughs) And little by little, I learned about Christy Zuber and Bonnie Clipper and Shauna Butler and Rebecca Mm -hmm. Love and, you know, it's just it's just a wonderful group of nurses out there, and Dan Weber, you know, yep. and uh, and all the folks that are coming out of the master's degree of healthcare innovation that are nurses. Yeah. So there is a group of nurses there, but uh, Bonnie and I are going to be. I'm going to do a plug here. <laughs> Please, <laughs> <going> yes. To, <laughs> uh, Bonnie Bonnie Clipper, uh, which again, I'm a big fan of her and her work and the leadership mm-hmm. in nursing and innovation that she's doing. Um, we're going to be presenting at the 
American College of Health Executives Congress this March, March 25th. It's our presentation, and we're going to be teaching executives how to lead a hackathon. So we're not going to have a hackathon. We're going to have like a mini hackathon so they can mm -hmm. understand the process. But our hope is that they learn how to do that and bring it to their organizations. It's such a simple process. It does not have to cost a lot of money to bring innovation. The results that you're going to have are tremendous. To start with engagement of your staff, you know, just to yes. have them 100% and excited to be at work every day and give their best, you know, just give them new blood, you know, um, mm -hmm. that's the beginning. So I think hackathons are very, very important. It's one way of bringing innovation. Innovation challenges is another way. Design thinking is another way. There is yes. many ways to bring innovation. There is a process and there is many processes, but first of all, it's just wanted to bring change and just know that you're going to get it wrong many times. <laughs> Failure is part of the learning. Of and, course. Uh, but whenever you hit the nail, oh my gosh, it's so good. It feels so good. Yeah. So I would say if you are, if, if you are listeners are a part of a health technology company or uh, a part of a, a hospital or another provider organization and are really thinking about how can we effectively uh, incorporate a culture of innovation, a culture of bringing together um, all of the all the people that are involved in providing care uh, and the patient experience, you should be thinking about giving Claudia a call. Claudia, how can people reach you? Uh, when they want to have that kind of conversation. Yeah, we know LinkedIn, it's a very good place. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I don't know if we're going to put my, I can give some, my we email will. as well. I will have your, I'll have your, uh, your website uh, yeah. and your LinkedIn linked yeah. to the show notes here. So, but yeah, feel and free to, to shout them out here. Yeah. Oh, very good. So, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter. And of course my email is Claudia at creative she and she is qi partners.com so claudia creative she partners.com it's my email and uh yes please reach out i i am always always help to help and um i love to transform care with all of you guys fantastic okay claudia thank you so much for being here this has been a terrific conversation and i'm so excited to see um the the, the next phase of your work Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do, too. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Data Point podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chai Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time.